Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. Today I have a fantastic guest. I'm beyond excited. I have Dante Disparte. He's an entrepreneur, a business leader, and a global risk expert. He's the founder and CEO of Risk Cooperative, a strategic risk advisory and insurance brokerage firm based in Washington, D.C. Dante has an extensive bio, guys. So if I was to read everything in his bio, we would be here half the show talking about his achievements. But among the most uh, important ones, he serves on the board of the American Security Project. He's also a strategic advisor to Power Ledger, the world's leading blockchain-based renewable energy marketplace. He was invited by the White House to speak at the Global Entrepreneurship Summit in Kenya. Dante's wide-ranging views are regularly featured in leading media and publications such as Harvard Business Review, Huffington Post, Forbes, and International Policy Digest. Not surprisingly, he's a graduate of Harvard Business School, he has an MSc in risk management from NYU and an MBA and an BA in international and intercultural studies from Gushier College. I hope I mentioned that. So having said that, I'm going to introduce you to Dante. Hello, Dante. Hi, Leticia. Happy to be with you. I'm happy that you're here. I mean, I, I'm just uh, reading your bio just made me think how little I've accomplished in my life. So that that already there, it's like, and I didn't even mention yet that you speak six languages and that you also are a co-author of, of, a, of a book called Global Risk, Agility and Decision Making. I mean, this is amazing. Oh, and before I keep, keep going on, you were named one of the 40 leaders under 40 by the Washington Business Journal and the inaugural Powerment 100 list. Wow. I mean... <laughs> Congratulations, I, Dante. This thank, is amazing. Thank you, Leticia. I'm uh, I'm obviously humbled to you know be on your program and um, you know clearly on a mission to get a lot of things done in a short amount of time. Absolutely, and, and I mean just by having you on this show, my podcast just you know raised to a different level. I mean, look <laughs> at this. <laughs> but in any case, Dante, as you know, Back to Basics is a podcast not only about showcasing the success of people, but also how you got there. And I'm really interesting in interested in the discussing, you know, your background, how you got to do all these amazing things, because obviously you must not have had a lot of idle time in your life because you did and have accomplished an amazing amount of things. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about uh, your background, uh, where you're from, and who were you as a kid? Yeah. So, you know, what, what obviously the bio that you just read betrays is the fact that I grew up in very humble beginnings, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, and um, grew up, you know, on the margins, if you will, of of the economy on the island, which, 
you know, Puerto Rico comparing to mainland United States, you know, makes Mississippi look rich, I guess would be one way to describe it. So we grew up in, in very, very modest, um, a very modest environment financially. And uh, I was the first of my siblings to go through high school or college even. So a lot of the bio that you just read, you know, is, is a byproduct of a lot of focus and frankly, a village that helped uh, help get me on my way. That, is, that makes the whole bio even more amazing to know that uh, from your siblings, uh, you were the one that went through college and not just any college. I mean, you were to Harvard School. So what did you like to do when you were a kid? I mean, obviously you were focused because you wouldn't have achieved what you have achieved so far. And uh, what, what did you like? What did you enjoy? Yeah. So, you know, as a kid, I've, I've always um, been interested in martial arts, actually. So I've, I've done martial arts my entire life since a very, very early age. And still till today, it's my Zen moment is the ability to, you know, break free of the chaos and mayhem on the planet and uh, practice martial arts. So, you know, I have a first degree black belts in traditional Taekwondo, Japanese Jiu Jitsu and in Kung Fu. Oh, and and it's a lot of fun, I suppose, and and you know it's sort of a, a level of personal risk management, which, as you know, is one of my one of my real interests. Absolutely. Now you don't want anybody messing with you to top it off. <laughs> that's uh, and so that's something that you've taken with since your very young years, and you managed to keep it up as an adult. Yeah, and I think if nothing else, you know, it, it's um, what I like most about the martial arts and many, many athletic activities have a similar quality is that, you know, it's about personal discipline and you versus you. There is no other component to it. And no matter how proficient you become, there's always another level of expertise that you can attain if you keep practicing. I like that you versus you quote. A lot of people that play golf, they describe that that's what they feel. It's like you always try to better yourself. So it sounds to me like it's the same with you and, and the martial arts. Exactly right. Exactly right. Great. So let's go back to Puerto Rico. So you are a young kid and you're doing your martial arts. You're obviously doing well in school because uh, I can guess that one. And then what happened? How did you come to the States? How how mm. did the whole Harvard thing happen? Well, you know, listen, I, I you know, the other, the other uh, I guess, uh, thing that would be less than obvious is, no, I was not exactly a, a great student. And certainly not a quantitative student, right? I might have excelled in in English and in the in the sort of softer side of academia, but when it came to quantitative matters, I wasn't very strong at all. And you know, coming to the U.S. mainland from Puerto Rico, while many may not think of it as a big jump, because obviously Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory, it is culturally and and otherwise, it is a it is a big move, nonetheless. Yeah. Um, and. So I came, you know, to live in the United States uh, when I went to college, actually, and I was terribly prepared for that first winter. <laughs> oh my God! I imagine <laughs> when, it, when it when it came. I imagine, I imagine, and uh, the one thing I don't want to bypass to this background portion, and it's it's uh, dear to me because we do we do share some heritage and. Mm -hmm. uh, My family is Sicilian, and when we first met, I was shocked when you were speaking to me in perfect Italian, and then it turns out that it's your dad that is Sicilian, correct? That's right, yeah. So I'm, I'm uh, you know, some could call me a mutt. Uh, others can say that I'm, you know, a son of the planet with, you know, a Sicilian ancestry on my father's side. And um, 
obviously born and raised in Puerto Rico, but uh, of mixed descent. So the future, the future is ours. Well, I've always joked around with you, anybody that cares to check out the pictures of Dante, he's among the best dressed men I know. So the Italian heritage definitely <laughs> showcases in, in, in your class, for sure. <laughs> so, so you are in the US. Was that like uh, you were saying it was hard in terms of the of the winter and uh was that were you alone you, did you have family how did you endure those days uh studying yeah no it, i was alone and and still now most of my um family are in puerto rico and uh so no when i came here you know one of the interesting aspects of the united states when you arrive uh, from anywhere in the world frankly is that you know social mobility is possible, but it really is a function of individual effort, right? That there is very little, I think, um, the society does to put people on a path that they cannot do on their own, right? So I think that that, that piece is very real about the United States. Um, and so arriving with not much to go back to in Puerto Rico and obviously pursuing a college, uh, you know, courses that I had to pay for myself largely meant that, you know, there was no failure, right? You know, if you're grabbing onto the bottom rung of that economic ladder, keep climbing and don't let go and see where it takes you. I see. That's, uh, well, it's taking you in very amazing places, I can see. Would you say that uh, you're doing what your passion is, like you, that you have fallen into the industry you've fallen? Obviously, you're very heavily into risk management, but I'm a witness that you're doing a lot of work to create resiliency and, uh, you know, in, in more on a community effort rather than individual effort. Uh, would you say that that's something that it's a calling for you? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Leticia. And it's one of the things I, I think about a lot. And, and, you know, when I'm mentoring people, I often try to make this message clear, which is that in life, you have three things, right? Professionally, you have your work, you have your career, and you have your calling. And I think your calling is what happens at the intersection of your greatest talents or passions and, you know, humanity's greatest needs. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I, I have definitely won the lottery ticket, but it's it's been a long time in coming to reach my calling, which is uh, I care deeply about risk, readiness, and resilience. And I care deeply about moving these big, complex issues from being abstractions that are too hard for the world to understand and too hard for society and households to respond to, to becoming very tangible and creating solutions that can help improve resilience against complex risks, climate change, cyber risk, political risk, social risks, and many others. And so, uh, you know, our company does nothing but that from sunrise to sunset. And that's what informs my day and a lot of my energy. And that's phenomenal. And I mean, we haven't known each other for that long, but I think by now it's probably four years. And uh, even when I met you, you had formed your company probably a few years back. And I've seen the amount of uh, momentum that you have created in, in these past years. And, and you're an inspiration, at least to me, in, in what you're achieving. Um, the other thing that it's important to me in this podcast is since you are leaving, let's say, your calling and, and, and you're very accomplishing your work life. How's family 
mixes into whole, all this. I know you're a family man. And uh, so it, does it get challenging? Does it get, is it easy for you to mix the two? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, well, no question, you know, everything that you have to do in life is is a series of trade-offs. But in my case, you know, I, one, I don't sacrifice anything and I don't miss a single milestone at home. And I think that's, that's rare in the sense that I've tried not to make myself a product. And a lot of times entrepreneurs and business people, they think of themselves as indispensable in their business. And, you know, the things that are indispensable are the things you don't get to do twice. And so you don't get to watch a family age twice. You only get to do it once. And so I've tried to remain very, very focused in being present at home. And it's, it's hard to believe given, I think, everything you've outlined. But, uh, but that's just the way, we, uh, the way we've run our household since the very beginning. That's, uh, that's admirable. I mean, I always ask and people that know me and talk to me know that I always ask these questions uh, for the family men and family women, because that's my own challenge. You know, I'm, I'm also have my own business and I'm a mommy and my wife. So I'm always trying to see if someone gives me a secret formula <laughs> <laughs> to use. Uh, but yeah. because I know it's a challenge and, and, and uh, but, but it's good because you see people that make it happen. And, mm -hmm. and that's uh, definitely motivation to to get your act together and say fathers can definitely uh, I can too. Yeah, yeah. And and it's um, you know, if you prioritize what really matters in life then you'll always have time for those uh, for those things and you, you can't really repeat time. That's the one thing we don't get enough of or a Absolutely. second shot with. Absolutely. And that's that's perfect because it leads me to what I wanted to Uh, discuss with you next and it's an article you published at the beginning of uh, last year uh, that's called what is your default setting and mm. I enjoyed it very very much by the way and in that article you say something and I'm going to quote from it I'm going to read a little piece it says if life is nothing more than the sum of our experiences and time is at once our most precious and scarcest asset Reevaluating our default setting can profoundly change the way we experience the world and how the world responds to us. Far too many people are hard-coded to know or maybe as their default setting. My default setting is yes. That's what you wrote. Can you talk a little bit? I, I find this uh, fascinating and I think it's so true. And uh, I personally benefited a lot from reading this article. <laughs> so can you talk about uh, default settings and, and what's your perception of, of what's going on around us? Because it really goes with what makes you tick, which is the whole yeah. subject to my podcast. Yeah. So so that's uh, <laughs> thank you for reminding me of that, that I, I wrote that. It's coming back to haunt me now. But, <laughs> <laughs> okay. but you know, so... Um, The, to me, the default setting question is, you know, when you could say yes to something, say yes. And I think a lot of people, their default setting is no or maybe in the sense of like, you know, if I say maybe I have at least an, a way out and I'm non-committal. So many people don't commit to things. And so maybe a no cut new growth. Whereas yes, if life is a tree, Every time you say yes, you create a new branch and a new branch and a new branch and then the tree continues to grow. You know, I'm a huge believer in serendipity and serendipity only occurs when you're exposed. When you're in the market, you're in an environment with completely new people and new relationships, then you could build new growth. And you should do it without an expectation of an immediate return. The return from this uh, way of thinking comes over the very, very, very long term 
but net net it will make you i think uh, a better person there's so many more ways you can give back um and there's a lot you could take from it I see. Well, you know, Serendipity is one of my favorite movies, and I'm a firm believer too. So not surprisingly, you're on this podcast. I, I, I invite people that I know at some point we've had that connection of, uh, you know, the greater good or the bigger plan, and that we try to put it forward. And whatever comes our way, uh, we try to work with that. So Dante, do you have a bucket list? Um, you know, for a while I was keeping a very, very strict sort of series of, uh, equivalents to a bucket list. So, you know, targets for new year's resolutions and things like that. And what I found, like I'm sure most people find is that you achieve maybe 20, 30% of what you had set as a target. So over the last couple of years, I've actually said, you know what, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to put anything on the list. I'm just going to continue pressing forward. And ironically, in the years where I had no such thing as a bucket list or, you know, hard coded New Year's, New Year's resolutions, I probably, I probably achieved more of the things that would have been on the list mm-hmm. in, than in the years where I had a list in the first place. So no, I, I, I don't, I don't um, necessarily have a bucket list. I'm trying to achieve personal resilience and I'm trying to achieve some degree of an impact on the planet on these types of issues. And along the way, opportunities come and go. And, you know, being open to them is, is the key. That's, that's great. And, and it really um, leads me to the last question, because I know you're a busy man. And I think it's been so condensed, the wisdom you've shared that I'm already happy with it. What makes you tick in all this resilience and, and all the things you're trying to create your day to day? I'm sure like for everybody, there's days that are fantastic. There are days that you're probably frustrated and, and, and feel you're not getting where you want to go. But is there something that really, when when you connect to it, you say yes and keep going? Yeah, I mean, one, and I know it, it's probably the type of thing you'll hear a lot in your podcast, and you certainly hear a lot in leadership discussions and material. You know, I I'm, I'm not afraid of failure at all, and you know, I think a lot of people say no and maybe back to an earlier theme in our conversation because they're afraid of failure or they're afraid of putting themselves out there and making a mistake and maybe looking foolish. I have very little fear at this point um, of failure. And and my fear is, if anything, is standing still. So <laughs> I want to keep moving no matter what. I am I'm, I'm totally with you Dante and I think that's a valuable uh advice because yes we do hear that a lot but I think the more you hear it from people like you and me that are go every wake up every day try to get their things done and 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 achieve their goals then that's reinforcement that if you're not afraid of something then it might become true yeah, there was a saying that say what would you do if you knew failure wasn't an option And uh, I always find that so empowering when I think about that, because I say, yeah, just go for it. Exactly. That's that's great. Well, Dante, it's been a pleasure to have you. Uh, You've been an inspiration as I knew you would be. And I'm I'm pretty sure our audience is going to be very pleased with this interview. Thank you, Leticia. Glad to be on the program. Thank you so much. And until the next time. Mm -hmm.